0: no reread we are back uh it is our third episode which actually i'm i'm proud of us for getting through three of these already this is like this is a fairly labor-intensive podcast i know it's not coming out ultra regularly but certainly i would say far more regularly than most people who start a book podcast uh have coming out
1: yeah i wouldn't say we've gotten through three of them things could still go very very wrong This <laughs> you, don't, episode. You, think,
0: you think that's kind of celebrating before we get there <laughs>
1: In some ways, we're we're kind of writing this thing as we go.
0: Uh, yeah, I think they're right. I mean, much like the books we con- much like the book in the game we're considering today, there is a level of improvisation going on. But... You're
1: joining <laughs> us. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're joining us in the in the creation of this episode.
0: In Medius Race. yes. You you <laughs> are part of it. You are the reader. You are the. I mean, it, it will surprise no one that we are dealing with the the wild and woolly world of postmodernism today. Um, Postmodernism, for those who don't know, is... Um, I'm sure, Liv, you know I'm not giving you this definition. <laughs> um, for, for people who don't know, postmodernism is the, uh, the turn away in the, in the 1970s and 80s and 90s to... Uh, late 1970s to uh, a... a an, uh, uh, sort of like a rebellion against signification. The idea that uh, stable signs, uh, both uh, economically and culturally... Are uh, are just not happening. They don't they don't exist anymore. Everything everything is is mutable and changeable and like marketed and flowing and so all sorts of weird stuff happens, including uh, as we'll see, breaking down of the fourth wall and the distinction between reader and author. Um, so you know, if you want more on uh, postmodernism, check out uh, my friend and Liv's friend and friend of the show, uh, Francois Lyotard, and uh, Frederick Jameson. <laughs> um, just one of two of our best buds. Uh, Liv, are you a big fan of postmodernism?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Boy, I don't see, I know you are then, because I don't know if you're being serious or not, which makes me which makes me pretty. Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty, believe, pretty non-skeptical of your postmodernism credentials. Um,
1: so I would either have to adopt either uh, modernism or postmodernism here. Take a side. I, I for this <laughs> for this
0: strict moment right now, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would. Um, I'm all for for postmodernism, sure. Okay. Because cool. I think it's um, before then there was a pretty firm understanding of who was. Um, creating the signs and, and whose viewpoint we were interpreting the signs mm. from
0: would you care to make that explicit uh,
1: n- absolutely not
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well fair enough um, well, no no I I hear what you're saying I think you're right like there I I most of my theoretical work when I was in graduate school came from uh, came from doing um work in, like, what I think would, like, loosely be called modernism, um, although I was reading postmodern novels, effectively. So, like, thinking about books as they did in modernism, uh, but, like, far more interested in post-45 and, and particularly contemporary stuff for kind of the same reasons you're talking about. It's just a lot more expansive and, and kind of diverse and interesting. Um,
1: I think that it allows um, women's opinions historically um, to be more valued that women could have a take on on anything and it didn't have to be um what things were supposed to be signifying but also what they were were not um Mm. and the spaces that they were observed from
0: no i hear you i think that makes a lot of sense like i think um i think a lot about um i can't remember who did it and i'm gonna i'm gonna hate myself for not thinking of it right now but um the two names in my head are not the names uh, of this woman, uh, but there was a, a French woman uh, theorist who who proposed that um, the concept of women's writing um, was such that women um, women were. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this women were devalued in their writing and, and told that like they needed to write more like men, more logically, more sort of like consistently. And that the the standard of writing that we all understand as like correct is like deeply sort of sexist and in, in, in its um, approach and origins. And I think there's something very compelling about that, that claim. And I also think that claim could not be made uh, anytime before like 1975. Mm. Um, it would be very difficult to claim that language was anything except language at that point. And I think if you like, look at like, I don't know, like turning dot com or whatever, like you, you'll see that people are still grappling with this as like a truly offensive concept. But I agree that like the, the idea of um, perspective is something that, um, I don't know, really does get, uh, um, bolstered in the postmodern era.
1: Mm-hmm. i absolutely yes. agree with you Trevor. oh excellent wow <laughs> wonderful uh, uh
0: well let's get into the let's get into the text so we're covering today um the the the, the <laughs> smash hit video game uh the stanley parable um which uh came out a while ago i was surprised um it is it is a few years old at this point um I remember when it came out and how excited everyone was to play a postmodern video game. I um, uh, Little did I know that it was like now what three or four years ago that it came out and everyone was so excited to play a postmodern video game That made me feel very old
1: I think it is older than that I think it, it must it even... come out in like 2013
0: Oh, was it 2013? Wow, okay For some There's... reason I had 2016 in my head Thank you for Oh,
1: no, absolutely not There's okay. an achievement for like not playing it for five years And whenever I booted it back up, I got it and I think Oh, it you did? six years since I played it oh,
0: That's such a good achievement
1: well, I That's got such, it because I played it, and then it had been five more than five years, and then so whenever I played it again, like it's. It's
0: a rare chivo.
1: Did um, you get
0: a good mount with it?
1: Uh yeah the the mounted version <laughs> of the Stanley Parable.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just the Stanley Parable except you're a, a, a an orc riding a, a tiger.
1: Yeah, I think that would be. I would that play actually that game.
0: Would be pretty great. I'd... <laughs> Um, but so, Liv, will you explain what The Stanley Parable is for people who haven't played it?
1: Yeah. So The Stanley Parable is um, in an actuality. No, not an actuality. Theoretically, it's about a man named Stanley who um, works in an office. And whenever you play the game for the first time like you you find out that every day stanley's in his office and he does the same inputs on his computer that he's being told to do all day long and that's like what everyone else in his office does too. um and so you load into this game and you are stanley and there is a narrator who's um you know narrating everything you're doing and so you press the keys you're supposed to but then you get up and you go outside of your office and no one is in your office anymore. And the narrator is, you know, leading you along this story and he's telling you and then, and then Stanley looks around. And so you're Stanley and you're looking around and it makes sense. And then eventually you'll get to a point where there's, there's choices to be made and the narrator will tell you and Stanley took the left door and then you playing Stanley can either do what the narrator is telling you to do or, Exert your uh, agency in the game by choosing, um, alternate paths. Right. And so then the narrator reacts to whatever paths you have chosen. So either you have obeyed the narrator and the, the story as prescribed, or, um, you are devious. Um, and then the, the story can unfold from, Um, in many ways from there so there's lots of lots of paths and lots of endings and choices that you can make and and the narrator reacts to you and doesn't doesn't like that you're not doing what he's doing um he tries to bargain with you um
0: threatens you
1: yes yes
0: it it is like it actually like it it ref i was i was pleased that it like even referenced um a uh, 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 portal in it because there is a very portal feel to it. The the kind of like uh, way that you are. Wait, did you get to the the the? I don't. I didn't finish all the paths. I know I didn't. But mm-hmm. like um, and the I'll talk does... about like.
1: Yeah, there's like a path where you um, are put you into, into Minecraft and yeah. Portal and yeah.
0: But, like, it, it was a very sort of GLaDOS kind of thing where it's like, oh, the, the thing that's talking to me is being whimsical and not serious, uh, but also threatening. Um, but it was different than Portal in that, like, the, as you say, like, the, the whole conflict uh, was discursive. Like, are you going to obey the narrator or are you not? Uh, if you obey the narrator, you end up in a quote-unquote paradise that looks just kind of like a weird painting of a lovely field. Um, And if you don't, um, as you say, there are many options, including uh, death or a different kind of escape or, um, you know, someone urging you to just turn off the game as that's the way to escape. There's there's all sorts of stuff that happens. But like, really, um, I think it can't be emphasized enough that the only way anything happens in the Stanley Parable is if you choose to not listen to the narrator.
1: Mm hmm. I mean you can still you could play the game as the nar- narrator tells you to and it does get you to an ending. Uh-huh. Um and it's not not dissimilar to the the I don't know if I'm spoiling Portal 2 for anyone. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> anyone that's been um waiting almost a decade to play Portal 2 but it isn't dissimilar from the Portal 2 ending if you just obey the narrator. Uh-huh. Um so it is it is an ending. Um
0: yeah, for sure. And like, I guess that's actually kind of cool because it the game operates in such a way that you could totally have a, a a version of this game where you do exactly what the narrator says and you do have no idea that there was any other way to do it. Right. Like you could someone could play this game and think that it only had one path and be like, I have no clue why this game is important or interesting. Um, It's just a guy telling a story and then escaping, and there's, like, a narrator telling me what to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also feel like if you're a video game player coming into it, like, the first major distinction I made was I jumped off the... I mean, I guess I went into the other door, but, like, I also jumped off the moving platform. There's, like, a little elevator. You can jump off and, like, kind of aim yourself right onto a ledge. And uh, as, like, my video game brain just, like pinged at that point and I was like that's secret area (laughs) it's like just (laughs) you know the dumbest possible thing but um you know that was that was what I thought I needed to do and like that is the thing where the where the the narrator just gets very frustrated with you he's like you have no respect for anyone
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely uh endings that are pointed to and then ones that I, I did look up a couple to do ones that I hadn't done the first time I played um there's definitely some of those too there's there's parts in the game um like if you disobey the narrator like the first time then it'll uh, it'll just load you back in the game is one of the endings it's like let's just restart Mm. and you didn't do it right the first time let's just try again oh interesting Um, and it puts uh, a like a live scoreboard and like statistics up for you. <laughs> um, and he's like, "Is this is this what you wanted? Like, is this the better version of this game? Like, if you see statistics and like comparing your progress to other people." Oh, I so, got
0: that ending. Yeah, that is a that is a funny ending. He just gets <laughs> very angry with you. <laughs> like, oh, this isn't a good enough game for you. Um,
1: uh, and yeah, so, uh, so uh, the Stanley Parable is, um, I think a little bit about about the act of playing games but more I don't know you may disagree with me th- about this but I think it's more about narratives at large than like the specifics of like the act of playing video games mm-hmm. um whereas I honestly feel like the book we're talking about today if on a winter's night a traveler we're getting to to the book name yes yes listen. that's
0: perfect oh we're getting so good at this
1: <laughs> um If on a Winter's Night Traveler by Italo Calvino, um, I feel like, honestly, that um, the book led me to more moments of um, thinking about how narrative worked in video games than the Stanley Parable. Like, I felt like it had more broad, um, broad connections than than the Stanley Parable did. Yeah, I would
0: agree. I think, like, the thing about the Stanley Parable and the reason that I didn't end up finishing all of the endings, like, I knew they were out there, and I was like, okay, these endings are here. I could go through and try and get them all. But in my mind, I was like, well, look, like, if I figure out the number endings. So there's an ending where, like, uh, Stanley is, like, it's revealed that Stanley has been working in a place that creates mind control. And if you, if you disobey the narrator in trying to, like, shut it all down... He goes, like, well, actually, you know, like, I'm the mind control. I, I control you, uh, Stanley. Like, anything you do here, uh, I control. And there are a bunch of numbers and stuff. And I got the feeling that if I hit the number buttons in the right order, I could have, like, quote, unquote, beaten the narrator there. But, like, while part of me wanted to do that and wanted to find every ending, another part of me was, like, well, look, like, after you do two endings in the Stanley Parable, you can kind of convincingly come up with a reading of this game that, like, the other endings are fun and cute and, like, interesting in their own way, but, like, I'd say a standard ending, an ending where you disobey the narrator, and then the ending where you follow the escape arrow and get, like, the strange uh, female second narrator telling you to win by turning off the game. Like, those are the only three that made sense to me as, like, new claims. The rest of it was, like, okay, there's, like, content here, but this is a commentary on, like, choice and gaming and trust and like narrative authority and stuff like that whereas honor knights night traveler has um it's like it it has so many different novels in it uh, and we'll talk about the the particular structure that that it um that it uses but it has so many novels in it that like you th- you think you have to think to yourself like man i think the you know, like maybe 10 not ten different novels are, are kind of too many. And you could argue that it is. <laughs> but um, it also, like, each novel kind of does something new. And, like, you can't really know the whole point of A Winter's Night of Traveler until you get to the end. So, like, in some senses, the Stanley par- Parable is iterative. It's kind of performative. It, it does its thing, and then it's over. Um, if, it, if on A Final Winter's Night of Traveler is, like, deeper because it also kind of hues to narrative a little bit. I think.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think the point of both of them, well, the point of If I Want a Winter's Night a Traveler, which is, is, I think, different than the Stanley Parable, is like one of the points that um, the book asserts is about the agency of like reading. Like to read, you have to keep working. You can't. Like there's a character. In the in the book, who actively does not read? Um, <laughs> I liked
0: that character,
1: and I don't even remember how he really chose to actively not read. He was just like a like a himbo in the book. Um, he, did, but... he did
0: didn't he do art with books? But like they couldn't be books he cared about. Like it had to be books that uh, the uh, he's friends with uh, the sort of like female protagonist, protagonist and uh, uh, Ludmilla. And uh he's just like, Yeah, books Ludmilla likes, I get those and I destroy them and like turn them into into moments of like of an instant so I never have to read them. And that's Yeah. Like, that's books to me.
1: Yeah. He's whereas, a wonderful Himbo character. Um because the book has um the book has lots of twists and turns, but you have to keep moving through it. Whereas like what we're saying with the Stanley Parable is you'll get to an ending, and there's nothing that's making you roll on to the next one, so you don't have Correct. to. You can you can ignore things. You don't have to actively like reassert your agency throughout the game because there um, there isn't like one true ending. In order to experience the whole thing,
0: yeah, no, that's right. I think like it is it is a game that by its own kind of thesis is like pretty sure that you do not need to get ending like even the the uh, achievements right like the achievements are very silly um and i don't know if you tried to do any of them outside of like the ones you got but there's one where it's like knock on a door five times like a particular door
1: mm-hmm. and if you
0: do that the narrator breaks in and he's like okay that's way too easy for an achievement now knock 50 times <laughs> like <laughs> he just keeps pushing he's like no i don't like it find this other door and knock 75 times and i never ended up getting the the achievement but like it is kind of like a funny commentary on okay like you know, there are pointless elements in this game that are here to like because they have to be. Um, there are gameplay elements in this game that are here because they align with the plot. Like, getting all the endings is sort of like what happens when you get all the fairies in um, Breath of the Wild, where like the achievement is basically like, Why'd you do that? Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I agree with you. Like, if a Winner's Night of Traveler is about reading through, um, whereas Stanley Parable is definitely like, you know at your own risk after a certain point
1: yeah um yeah and and just that the it's about your agency and having to actively get through the words but then also it feels like that's and that's part of the point of the book is that you're reintroduced to and we can talk about this now that Mm -hmm. you're reintroduced to like all these different books um throughout that are inside this book but then you're taken from the story as soon as it starts to get good is right like yeah the, the idea of it
0: so there's two there's like two major elements of uh if on a Winter's night traveler um that i think are like famous and the one is that it's uh, a book written in uh second person so like it's written as as a you you are always addressed by the by the author um But the you that is addressed by the author is actually the main character. You are also then later on in the book addressed as the other, other reader, a sort of like third reader in the middle of the book. Um, So the you that's being addressed is like actually a different character, but it is always in second person. And the other kind of like famous element of it is that it is a, it's a story of stories, as Liv said. Like, you you know, it starts off with you being like, ah, I got to read this new book. It's like, it's called If on a Winter's Night of Traveler by Italo Calvino. Um, And you go and read it and you're like, wait, this isn't If on a Winter's Night of Traveler. Um, This is this other book. But you only realize that after you've gotten like, 30 like you know 25 pages in you're getting excited and then there's just like a bunch of blank pages and you know you think oh maybe the uh maybe the editor made a mistake or maybe like oh maybe like the printer made a mistake or whatever like a lot of reasons for the loss come up over and over and over again but the the important thing is that you keep getting these books and they are like the first chapter or so um just enough to get you engaged
1: Mm mm-hmm um yeah so you are this person that's reading it, and then somehow mystically you lose every single book that is given to you <laughs> at just the moment whenever it starts to be good in, uh, in the. It's in real the book. bad
0: luck. Um, yeah, <laughs> there was a good line. Uh, so the plot of the book is is intentionally ridiculous, um, I, I think. Um, the The plot of of the book seems to be something like, well. Um, you know, like, you're this reader, you keep getting entwined with all these other readers, including Ludmilla, who you are in love with, um, naturally, uh, but also her sister, who you are later in love with. There are There's this forger who goes around and makes, like, mimicries of texts that are, uh, you know, just, like, fake books. Um, there are, like, uh, you, you go on journeys to find these books, you meet authors who are jealous of you. Uh, you know, there's secret police and stuff. It's it's very, very silly, I think. Um in a good way. Like I don't think it's bad or anything. I do think it's silly. Um But the books themselves, I think, are like the main the main meat of the of the text. And like actually the story of the reader kind of like going from place to place is fun, but it, it is also its own little like eleventh novel instead of just like a, a true unifying plot.
1: Hmm. I would, I don't know. I Ooh. felt like, and this may just be because I'm um, famously not very smart. Um, but <laughs> many I, people don't agree. <laughs> I felt like, um, I don't know. I think that. The first 20 pages in any book are my least favorite part of every single book. Like it, I do often like I don't understand what's going on for like 20 pages. And so it, it was that feeling like every single time I read any of the the, the books inside the books. Mm. Um, and I don't like I wasn't sure how much I was supposed to really get from each book inside of it. Um, Fair. it felt like a lot of it was, um, probably uh, signaling to some context that was outside of like my background knowledge. Um, like I felt like there was probably, you know, like, uh, political underpinnings or, um, like, uh, writing movement underpinnings that just like, I didn't really have the context for, but I could be completely wrong and they could just be, um, text is text that I, you know, like no, I, I don't, I don't, re- think I don't retain a lot of it.
0: Yeah. I think, I think like, no, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think like there's absolutely some contextual elements here that are a little bit, um, a little bit vague. I mean, the book was written in 1979. So like, uh, and Calvino's responding to like contemporary work and contemporary politics. So like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think probably there are some, there are some, uh, signifiers that are a little out of date. Um, I think a lot of the novels just like are are referencing like classic genres. Like there's like the bildungsroman of like the 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 young child learning to become like an adult or whatever. In that mm-hmm. one where it's like uh, um, outside the village of um, the, the second town of book Malbork. he gets, huh?
1: <laughs> outside the town of Malbork. Or How dare you!
0: you. <laughs> How dare you remember the whole thing after you <laughs> after you tell everyone that you're dumb? You do the smartest thing we've said so far. Um, but yeah, the um, yeah outside the town of Malbork is like a classic. Um, you know, it's your classic. Uh, uh, um, it's your classic buildings roman. Like it, it totally is. Like oh, like uh, and then he went and learned how to be an adult, like a coming of age novel. And then there's like you know the, the Japanese romance novel, which uh, if you've ever read any Japanese uh, fiction, um, it it's very good and also a very awkward uh, in that. Uh, (laughs) same way that this one is. Uh, Although this is clearly an exaggeration Uh, and and things like that. Like it, it, I think it's just genre parody, but also I think like going back to what you said about the first 10 pages of a book, um, I find them very uninteresting too. And I think the book kind of teases you with that. Like, especially with the readers at the end who are like, Oh yeah, here's how I read. Like I only read three words and then I get too distracted or like I read every word or like, I only like books at the beginning. I only like books at the end. Um, (laughs) <laughs> like, all these readers in a library are, like, expositing yeah. <laughs> on, like, how reading works. It's
1: so good.
0: It's really great. But the, um, like, the all, the, all the stories, like, really are geared to be extremely boring at the outset. Where you're like, oh, I don't want to start another book. I want to know what happened to the last <laughs> one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I feel like that kind of, like, repetition of, like, um, just, like, uh, disappointing narratives... Is maybe uh, like the point of the of of the novel itself, in that like by the end you're like, oh, like I'm not I'm not ever gonna get a story, so like what's the point of all of this? Um, And then you have to kind of interrogate like, okay, so like what's the point of reading? Period. Like if I'm never gonna get a story, why do I continue reading this book? Like why do I feel compelled to finish it? Um, I think that's one of the questions Calvino probably wants his audience to be asking, uh, insofar as Calvino wants anything.
1: And turns out the real story were the stories that we met along the way.
0: <laughs> I like there's, the, in, the, in the one point where uh, it's the, the main character is um, sleeping with, uh, is sort of like the second sex scene in the novel, um, with sort of his interrogator slash savior, it, it's unclear intentionally, um, slash maybe the sister of, of, the, the, of Ludmilla, uh, Lotharia, Um, or Lotaria, excuse me. Um, like there's, there's this, there's this concern of like, well, who is this woman? And and then the narrator's like, wow, you like, you really think you can just like, you really think you're like, uh, you know, big dick protagonist here. You can sleep with every woman in the text. That's pretty messed (laughs) up. Um, and then like, but afterwards, like he, they're interrupted in the middle of, of, of having sex. And, uh, and there's this great line where it's like, oh, well now your real life adventures are being, uh are being um broken up at the moment of climax maybe now you'll be able to finish a novel and (laughs) and just like i thought that like that comparison of real life and novels was really great because it was just this moment where it's like oh yeah like this whole time this person's real life has been going on and all i care about is getting to these novels as does he but like i always view him as ridiculous for that um like i'm much more interested in like you know what happens to that uh, random narrator I just met, as opposed to, oh, is this guy gonna like make it work with Ludmilla? Uh, <laughs> I mean, in part because they're all such unreal characters intentionally, but also, like, I don't know, like the book really devalues people and values text.
1: Mm-hmm. And also, Ludmilla's just she's not uh, incredibly interesting.
0: Oh, you don't like the manic pixie
1: girl type. <laughs> She, she loves to read her books. She loves to uh, 100% her books. <laughs> she, she loves
0: coming up with different reasons that books are good. That's that's my favorite part of Lin-Manuel. <laughs> Everyone asks her why she likes reading and she always has a new answer. Um, and it, it never is helpful. Um, but people really like to be uh, infatuated by her. I think we have seen... Um, I also think that like so so I I found a passage in this that I thought was really good for like thinking about. Um, of course, I'm stuck on this ad for this book called Southern Charmer, uh, a smoking hot friends to lovers romance, book one in the Charleston Heath series. Um, and
1: that's actually uh, one of the books inside If on a Winter's
0: Night a Traveler. <laughs> <laughs> if on a Winter's Night, oh so so the big reveal at the end is that all the titles in A Winter's Night a Traveler make one sentence. Um, a big reveal that is kind of cheesy and expected, but then really, really supported by the main character after having this revelation going, no, but see, the thing is, I don't care about that. I want to know. Yeah.
1: Like. <laughs> He's like, no, that is not what I'm talking about. That's not the book I was reading. He's I love like, that. Like... I love that part where like
0: there's such like a moment where you can be like, yeah, no, that's you know what? That's right. When you think about it, they all were the books along the way. He's like, no, no. What about my book? Like, please stop, <laughs> stop doing this cutesy stuff. I just want to know. Um, but there's a, there's a line where, um, it's, uh, it, he's talking about like, um, he, he basically the, the, the main character, the, you, the reader, um, goes to, um, uh, Ludmilla's house. She says like, Oh, keys under the mat, let yourself in. This is her manic pixie girl moment. All the, all the men coming and going in her life. And, and she's just very pleased about it. And you, the narrator are a very jealous person. So you're not happy about this at all. Um, it's very weird, uh, but, you know, it's par- it's parodying something very weird, so it makes sense. Um, but it says, like, uh, thinking about her apartment, uh, it says, would you like to, this is on, I don't know what page this is. I guess it's page 147 of the of the text. Um, that's what my Kindle tells me. Um would you like to penetrate her shell, insinuating yourself among the pages of the books she is reading? Or does the relationship between one reader and the other reader remain that of two separate shells, which can communicate only through partial confrontations of two exclusive experiences? So, like, the one thing I thought was, that's a very good question to ask about this show. Insofar so far, it's like, do we ever have the same experience reading? Well, these two hosts are going to find out. Um, (laughs) but I also think it's like a very good, we
1: are two shells, two (laughs) shells of people. (laughs)
0: Well, I'd like to think of us as two shells. (laughs) I like to think of me and my friends as big old shells, (laughs) Uh, capacious. Uh, no, like it's, it is like, it's this question that is very, very like of the moment in the text, which is, you know, does anyone's experience reading these books differ or are they all the same? And if, as the book sort of like seems to posit, they are actually like completely irreducible from each other. Like you can't possibly have the same experience. Then like, what are, why are, why is anyone concerned with anything except the experience of reading a book? If it's also changeable and weird, like why care about the, the 10 pages after the first 10 pages? Like what's the point? Like just have your experience and, and be done with it. <laughs>
1: Mm hmm. That uh, yeah, that it's truly um, not about the text, but about the the actual experience of reading.
0: Yeah. And I'm not sure. Like, I mean, do you think do you think that's what Calvino thinks? Like, I'm not so sure he does.
1: Um, I think that it's uh, a bit about the 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 tension between Mm. The, the act of reading and, and what is there and um, trying to, I don't know, what power is still there? Like the real power is like what you get after. So there's the, the creation of the words and then there's the consumption of the words, but there's like some void space in there that holds the real power between like the, the intention and the consumption. Yeah. Um, and that there's there's imagined story for both the the author and the reader beyond um, that cannot be um, contained or it, it can't be written or consumed by essence of not having been been written.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think like the other thing to say about that is it, it is a matter of like, so, so like the, the thing that always catches me about about this book, or that keeps catching me about this book, it's the first time I've read it, is that, like, it seems like Calvino very much believes that. That, like, it is about, as you say, like, the void or the unwriteable between uh, words. But then, like, it's also the fact that he knows he's frustrating and, like, teasing his readers by not including uh, the ends of these texts. And so it does, It really feels to me like he's... He, thinks that that's true, but also constantly recognizes that it it is not practically true. Like, you know, theoretically speaking, yes, it's all about sort of the void between words. Practically speaking, like, I really want to know what happens to this, this person (laughs) that I, that I have been invested with for 30 seconds or whatever. Right.
1: (laughs) And that's the human spirit. And that is,
0: (laughs) yes, that is the human spirit. You're right. Um, I think like, I think the other thing about it is like it, it's a book that is... Uh, the other confusing part about it is it's a book that's, like, at any given time, it could be anything. Like, it is oftentimes very funny. Uh, as you and I both said, like, there are, like, very laugh-out-loud moments. Like, there's a book that I loved where... Or, like, one of the books I loved where it's, uh, it's like, this this very, like... I don't know, like, Sorrows of Young Further kind of book where, like, the the young man is con- considering his sickness and, his like, his... Uh, intellectual interests and this, this woman he meets who's an artist and stuff. And, like, it's very funny because, like, after just a little bit of time, it's extremely clear that he has just been used to help someone escape from prison and he has no idea. Um, and he just is, like, completely unwilling to ever understand it. Um, that was very funny to read. But then there's, like, really serious books in there, too. Like, there's the the book that we were talking about before, the um, the sort of, like, Western, which is not funny at all. Yeah. Uh, so like yeah. it is like it's this it's this tonal shift throughout that like I think going back to your point about the void like makes it feel like maybe there's no tone at here at all.
1: Yeah, it's truly up for your interpretation, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's like the idea is like that these these books are frustrating because they're imperfect. Um, because you don't ever get the the full story. And that's the, the idea that there is a full story. Of course, there is no full story of any of these stories that you're reading. Um, yeah. And you find out that lots of them are are fakes and uh, mis mislabeled books and, and stuff like that. Often mislabeled
0: but, as the book that you wanted to read in the first place.
1: Yeah, so you never know if you're reading the book that you were trying to read, or if you're reading a completely different book, or uh, I don't know the lots of lots of kooky reasons um, that you're not reading the book that you anticipated. But it's like the idea that these books are imperfect because you don't get the whole story. But then, um, it, it's almost like they fit together so in such like an uncanny way that it is then again perfect. Um, yeah. That they're like always missing from you at the exact same point in the story, like the exact same. Um, emotional point in the story not that any of the stories are connected
0: it's also like it also is all part of that like it's it's a build-up for a very very meta joke in the last page where spoilers for the 1979's if on a (laughs) winter's night a traveler um the final page of the book is uh the the reader gets married to ludmilla um it like because basically someone in the library is like well there's only two ways classic texts ended with the death of the narrator and the uh, and their love or the marriage of the narrator and their love and he's like suddenly i wanted to be married to ludmilla um, <laughs> which is very funny um, but there's a last page where it's like oh um, you know honey she says like don't you want to don't you want to turn off the light aren't you sick of reading and he the narrator goes no i'm almost finished with if on a winter's Night a traveler by italo calvino um, and the joke, of course, being like, "Ah, it's the end of the actual book. I thought a winter's Night a traveler." Um, but also, like the idea that putting together all those fragments still counts as a book is the actual sort of kind of like statement that uh, that he's trying to put across
1: mm-hmm. yeah. um and and I do like to be represented in books. So I'm glad that I was in this book, oh, yeah. Yeah. was there a live? Yeah, they said you all the time. Oh. That is, that is <laughs> interesting to me.
0: That's a great joke. <laughs> oh, by um, the way, I was making a joke and I, I used the intentionally outdated, in a group chat and I used the intentionally outdated phrase women's lib to try and like mock a, a kind of conservative voice and it auto-corrected to women's live."
1: Wow. I am a, I hope that I am a women's live, like You're a, a boy's boy, liver. a women's <laughs> live.
0: <laughs> and they immediately changed the name of the chat to women's live, just in case anyone was wondering. Uh,
1: really? Wow. that That's basically me.
0: I know. Well, it's, it's nice that the word, I type the word live more than I type the word lib. Um, mm. I think that speaks well of me. <laughs>
1: And honestly, is that title me? Because that wouldn't have autocorrected if you hadn't been talking about me. So am I then the live that's in the?
0: In win- Yeah.
1: In the group chat name. Wow. Is that still? Me? I think
0: you are. Yes. This is this is a very very serious question for if on a winner's night traveler. Um, yeah. Actually, I, in, in all seriousness, it is like this question of like. I mean like it, it is all tied into linguistic theory and stuff like that, which I mean we don't have to talk about that to to get the, the main point of it. But also it's kind of part of the joke because like Calvino's playing around with a bunch of like ultra complex ideas and I think one of the funniest parts about it is like he does not seem to care to divulge any of them to you and it's just kind of interested <laughs> in writing a funny book.
1: I um this is the only book that I've read by him too. I haven't read anything else. I when. haven't
0: either. I,
1: What's what? What were you gonna say? No, no, please, please. Trev?
0: I just said I haven't um, either.
1: It's really interesting to me that this is um, this was originally written in Italian, mm. right? Um, and that one of the whole big things of um, like this is just like a, a, a masterpiece in translation. Like I'm right. This was like originally written in Italian and then translated. Yeah,
0: correct? yeah, yeah, yeah. Calvino writes. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible. Yeah.
1: I cannot believe that this is like a translated work. It's like, I cannot, the, the way this is written is so dense and I don't even mean like, it's like, it, like, okay. So for example, like, I think that this is kind of, um, how the whole book is written. It's like all of the books that, um, that you're reading along the way, start with like a prepositional phrase or like, it's some sort of like, um, subjunctive phrase. So it's like, if on a winter's night traveler outside the town of Malborg, um, it's like around something behind something it's never pointing to something Mm -hmm. it's um the the um the you know how (laughs) what's yeah no you're right
0: like it's always evasive hanging
1: on it's it's pointing to the fact that there is some truth but you are outside of that Mm -hmm. um and so that this is written in Italian. And that's kind of like how this whole book is written is like, it's all pointing to something, but you're never you're never given the thing that it's pointing to. Um, but also in Italian, like they don't have obligatory pronouns at the beginning of sentences. So like the, a lot of this book in English is written like you, and like you keep saying that word like you over and over again. And I think that it must, um, he must make explicit pronouns occasionally because there's a lot of like, um, he talks about thoughts on I and like, yeah, he's like, uh, I don't know. There's like lots of thoughts about I and you. Um, but typically in Italian, you don't have to have pronouns. So I'm like wondering, um, how it looks in Italian. Like if it's just, um, um, conjugated in, in second person, which I think it makes sense for a lot of it, but like, when is it made explicit, um, like pronoun and how important is it it to look at pronouns? That's
0: a fantastic question. Like I, I had not thought of that and I would love to see it too. Like I'm, I'm not sure. And now I am all the more impressed by the translator because like, you'd really have to understand exactly what Calvino or what you thought Calvino was going for here in order to actually Mm -hmm. get it right. It would be so risky.
1: I know, I just, um, and I cannot even imagine trying to, to read this in Italian. Like my, my understanding of Italian is very, very elementary. Um, so. I, but you can order pasta. Can I?
0: I might understand this. That was what I've been told.
1: <laughs> I think anyone can order pasta if they'd like to.
0: <laughs> That's a very good answer. <laughs> Man, you've been like, you've been working on your funny bone and white reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think like uh so like the one thing that kind of struck me about If on a winter's night a traveler that I I did not get in like the Stanley parable was If on a winter's night a traveler seemed like deeply deeply interested in making you as a reader unsure of the the kind of like I don't wanna say morality, because that's a little extreme, but like um, point, point is probably exactly what I mean of what you're reading. Um, like it, it, it feels like if you walked away from the Stanley Parable without knowing like, okay, what's this game about? Then someone could probably just say like, hey, look, like just like play it a little longer. I'm pretty sure you'll figure out what it's about. Um, like it's explicitly about something. It's explicitly about like, oh, like, isn't it weird that we listen to the narrator at all of these games? Um, and, and maybe the narrator doesn't have our best interests at heart. Wouldn't that be kind of, like, crazy? Um, and not, I'm saying that, like, kind of offhandedly, but it's a, a really, really interesting game, and I think it, like, it asks the question quite well. But I think if you said, well, I didn't really understand if on A Winter's Night a Traveler, you could not at all say, like, well, just read it again. It is, like, it is, it's evasive. Like, it's intentionally very evasive. Yeah. Um, and i i don't know i think that's i think that's really i think that works maybe i'll say this like i think that works better in a book than it does a video game um like if mm-hmm. if there's something about if on a winter's night a traveler that is different than the stanley parable it's that you could not possibly have the kind of like weird certainty of um well i guess you're never going to understand what this means in a video game i don't think that would work
1: hmm what would that look like? what What does it look like to be evasive in a video game about meaning? I don't know. Like
0: and that's kind of that's kind of where I started thinking about it because like, it's totally like what does it mean to be evasive in a book about meaning? Um, I mean, I think that's kind of clear. you just like constantly you do you demonstrate a kind of reading practice and then undercut it. But how do you demonstrate a kind of gameplay practice? And then undercut it. Like, what would that even look like?
1: I think it would have to be in, like, a, a visual novel or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is more narrative heavy because it's, um, I don't know. Well, don't yeah, know. you could
0: actually you could actually change around things like that. It wouldn't be, like, because if it were in, like, a, a, a mechanics-heavy game, it would just be extremely, I don't know. It feels like it would be extremely labor uh exhausting for anyone making the game
1: i don't know what is the most confusing game that you've ever played have you ever played a confusing game intentionally confusing Mm. um i don't know maybe maybe superman 64 is the (laughs) if on a winter's night of travel like what (laughs) maybe what did that mean
0: Uh, no, I think you might be right. Like, uh, I don't know, like uh, the most confusing game I've ever played, the game that's kind of confused me the most. Well, you know what? The game that sort of like gave me the, the most, uh, and I'm going to find the name of it because I'm suddenly forgetting it, but the game that sort of, uh, put me on my back foot the most was, uh, Duhana by, um, uh, last name's King Spooner, um, Jack King Spooner. Uh, which is about, like, it's an indie game about uh, um, it's an indie game about, like, um, basically being um, a refugee, and like, being uh, attacked uh, by Americans in uh, Afghanistan, and like, it's very, very intense and very good, and uh, it's about being an immigrant, and it's like, it's it's a great game. It is also very intentionally off-putting, and like, confusing and does not give you a lot of context so i don't know like it is it is a game that plays around with imagery a lot i guess it switches its graphics quite a bit that could be one way you do it because like graphics now signify so much in video games um Mm -hmm. historically speaking uh what's the most confusing video game you've ever played
1: i don't know i think it might be superman 64 like i remember whenever i played that as a kid that i thought that there was supposed to be like like i didn't understand it and i thought it was because of some like personal failure in me mm. but i think that um i don't know i think that that's honestly like the most confused i've ever been in a video game just like being dropped into a world and i'm like did i miss something on the way <laughs> in i don't i don't know what's going on here
0: that's reasonable yeah no i i wonder if like because like one of the things I said early on about um, about the difference between the two pieces is that um, um, if on a Warner's night a traveler is like narrative or iterative and um, uh, um, sorry uh, my brain just wiped uh, Stanley Parable is performative I you know maybe it's that video games always have some performative element to it no matter what we do because of course the player is performing them it's something that i'm very hesitant to say because i don't know how much it fits into like my writing and stuff about it but (laughs) so you know hopefully i don't ruin my whole career or anything uh (laughs) such as it is but uh yeah i mean like it it is like it is i think a, a pretty open question of like how much are we like forced to kind of be in the performance art space of doing confusing things as opposed to the narrative space of doing things?
1: Yeah, Cause I was even thinking like uh jazz punk, um, mm. is like a game that I think tries to be about video games too, but it's like, I know what you're doing. Like I'm, I'm playing this game and I know what you're doing. <laughs> right. Um, the whole time, like, I. I don't
0: know. I think the strangest the strangest thing, like, I, I don't know if you, you ever do this, but I like to look up games I play on um, how long to beat before I start them. Because, like...
1: Yes. Okay,
0: good. You do, too? <laughs> Great. Um, I'm not alone here. Uh, so I looked up how long to beat Stanley Parable, and it said, like, you know, you could probably beat it about an hour and a half. Um, which, I have to say, is... Um,
1: that's overshooting it yeah
0: i think i think you could finish it quicker than that but like there were people who had done like completionist runs or like the longest possible run it may you know probably this is someone who just left the game on overnight or something like that it didn't notice but there was like a 48 hour uh stanley Parable run
1: well there is an achievement for leaving the game on for the entirety of a tuesday
0: yes that is true so maybe that's what happened <laughs> but it, like, what what struck me about it was I was thinking, like, what if you actually, like, were a Stanley Parable completionist? Like, what if you really were, like, so interested in the Stanley Parable and what it was doing that you went through and, you know, solved every puzzle and did every single thing in exactly the the different ways and tried to f- flesh out every single element of the game? And it was just, like, such a weird headspace to get into. I wonder if, like, being in that headspace is is what it takes to, like, understand, um, to understand the, like, what it is, like, to get outside of performance in video games. Like, that is, like, so committing to a bit. Like, so committing to the bit of, like, being... Fully within, like, can I? How do I explore the space in this game that says like exploring the space is the point of this game? Um, it almost feels like that would be the length you'd have to go to. If that it makes, makes any sense, makes
1: me a little bit sick to my stomach. Honestly, I, like, yeah, me
0: too. As I'm talking about it, I feel a little sick to my stomach. It sounds horrible.
1: Because, like, I think that I was um, that I. I think I said that the, that Stanley Parable didn't do this before, but I think that. Um, that again the power in and, and, and these texts is that there's something um, still left to be unknown and so it's like in my mind I don't think that I've found every Stanley Parable ending so that there's still some sort of mystique to the game like there could be something that's like wildly different yeah um, and so like forcing yourself to find all the endings like and remove any sense of that mystique is
0: I don't know it feels like, it feels like the, the kind of dissatisfaction I feel after, and I've talked about it on this show before, but like, um, the kind of dissatisfaction I feel after finishing a, uh, uh, a Metroidvania the way I finish them, like I feel a deep satisfaction when I'm done the initial run, and then I feel a horrible dissatisfaction when i get everything in the game and realize like oh this didn't fulfill me at all like getting 100 percent in this game means absolutely nothing um like imagining that in the stanley parable <laughs> makes me kind of like it's so grim
1: mm-hmm. um and i'm trying to think also that there's probably plenty of people who have watched playthroughs of the stanley parable on youtube or twitch and like that makes me a little I don't know, that's a little bit upsetting too. Like thinking about being <laughs> a step removed again from the agency.
0: Yeah, because even if you did even if you listen to an audio book of If on a winner's night traveler, it is still if on a Winter's night traveler the book. Like you can't get out of it unless you had someone summarize it for you. And at that point, it's a totally different thing. It's a summary. <laughs> it's not the book. Mm-hmm. Whereas like watching someone play on a Twitch stream you know that's that's still the game like it's very difficult to say that that's not the game right so like yeah that is like that is really kind of hard to think about like you're just kind of you're basically saying like yes stanley parable i agree agency is a lie and i will take it all away Um, (laughs) i i totally understand the game like i definitely didn't miss anything um boy, that is, yeah, that's, that's kind of eerie. Oh.
1: And I think so much of, if on A winter side of Traveler, like, I don't, like, you could tell me the plot of a, a lot of novels and i will be like, okay, I think I get the sense of it. But so much of, um, of Calvino is like talking to, to you, the actual person that unless you are going through the act of being that person, then I don't think you've gotten it. Right. Um, Whereas Stanley Parable, I don't know. Um, I think also Calvino has a lot of um, has the whole history of literature behind him. Whenever he's creating this work, whereas Stanley Parable doesn't have, nor do I think it intends to to really take on like how video games have been. Um, Created and consumed historically. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly like it, it's truly more about um, agency and narrative um, or just agency, period. Like how much um, control we have in our own lives. Um, and especially like working in like an office building than it is, I think, about playing a video game. Like I think it like, hints at being about playing video games, um, but not. I think it, that there's probably something that will come in the future that will be more about playing video games. Mm. Do you think that's wrong? Do you think there's a way that you um I don't know. No, Do you I think, think that there can be a game that's more about playing video games? I
0: think you're right about the Stanley parable. Like I I hadn't even considered it in that way, but like especially thinking about it within a 2013 uh context. Like that feels much more about like being an office drone than Playing a video game, um, and I mean, they could be the same. Like the you know, chasing achievements, uh, and like all that kind of stuff doesn't sound so different from being a you know someone who's chasing a middle management position. But like at the same point, I think you're right. Like, what's what's a good game about playing video games? I I don't know. I'm not sure I can think of one. Like off. Undertale. Oh, Undertale. Oh, yeah, Undertale's great at that. Um, uh, Hyperlight Drifter. Um, not Hyperlite Drifter, Um, that's a great game, but that's not what I was thinking of. Uh, Hypnospace Outlaw. Hypnospace Outlaw is kind of about being online and posting, which is similar to playing video games. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Not really the same. Um, Yeah, no, uh, Undertale might be like a better game about playing video games, and it's much more of a video game at heart. Um, Which may not be a uh, may not be a uh, coincidence.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So do you think that's more of If on a Winterside Traveler Do you think that's That it's harder to grasp um, Like a true meaning from Undertale I've never beaten it
0: I have Um no, I think Undertale's pretty le- legible and I don't mean that as a slight against uh, Undertale or Toby Fox or any of the people who worked on it cuz I think it's a
1: <laughs> to say something that is legible as as a slight. Well, <laughs> we've, we've been
0: talking about how how good Calvino is for being so like you know, difficult to place. Uh, like I don't I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying like, oh yeah, Undertale's super obvious. Um <laughs> but like I think like there's even hints towards it being obvious in that like at the end of at the end of the game uh uh, Flowey the the flower um reveals and if you never beat the game you never got this revelation Liv but it is like it's a moment where it's an interesting revelation in some ways but it's also like oh no I guess this is at the beginning with Flowey excuse me um but it also is like misleadingly simplistic where he says like oh you thought HP was health points it's actually hatred points um (laughs) And, like, I, you know, I think the game is really smart. And that is, like, it's much smarter than that. And I think, you know, it is intending to sort of say, like, hey, here's the legible point. Like, the rest of this is going to be, like, a pretty emotional sort of feel, not not so much theoretical. Um, so I think there's, like, a clear reading of Undertale. I think Undertale a very sort of, like, Pacifistic game. I think if you do the genocide run in Undertale, it will um, make you feel horrible. Like it, it ultimately, like you know, thr- uh, strives to make you feel bad for doing it. Um, so yeah, I think like I think there's a clear feeling that you're supposed to get by beating Undertale uh, in in whatever way you do. Whereas with on a Winter's Night of Traveler, I'm not so sure. There's a lot to take away, except f- not a lot concrete to take away, except for questions.
1: Hmm. Truly all you're left with is, is the experience. There's no no real facts to come away
0: from no, it. No, not at all. Like I you can you can ask some questions about what it means to be a forgery. You can, you know, write some papers or whatever, but in terms of like what what the what the book told you, you're not gonna you're not gonna leave with a lot.
1: Hmm. I like um one of my one of the things that I thought was like funniest in the um in the book was whenever there's the the tormented versus the productive writer and there's these two writers that are I always looking <laughs> these two writers that are always looking at each other through telescopes And then, uh, so one of them is a productive writer and he's really good. He sits down and he, he, he goes to out to write and he finishes what he does. The tormented writer, he never finishes anything and he always gets distracted, but he has so many like ideas and thinks about things differently. And so they're looking at each other through the, the, the telescopes and they want, they want to be the other writer. So bad. The tormented writer wants to finish something. And the productive writer is like, Oh, I'm a hack. I, you know, I don't have any new ideas. And this other guy, you know, like he, he's probably so much more creative than me. But then they get distracted by the fact that there's a woman reading a book and they both want their, that <laughs> book that she's reading to be theirs so bad. It's really
0: good. I think I think the one thing that I will I will say about Calvino is that he's very good at making fun of uh male authors who get like obsessed with women readers. Mm-hmm. I think he's very good at self parodying that. Um because of course he also is a male author but like i think he makes fun of them pretty well i don't know if you agree
1: yeah well i th- I, I think that it's about like that there's no there's no like true true essence of of a writer beyond the act of like actually writing mm-hmm. and that you're always assuming some sort of character when you're you're writing or you're asserting any point like it's all from some from some summation of of characters characteristics that you've decided to take on um and that you're also taking on characteristics as a reader and so the the reading experience changes day by day so if i read this book next week it wouldn't be the same book because i'm coming to it with the experiences that I have now and the characteristics that I've taken on.
0: Right, yeah. And like even even more like it goes into Ludmilla's feeling that she never wants to meet an author because it will ruin books for her or meet a publisher like it, it for like for the kind mm. of reader that's so the the ideal reader in some ways is Ludmilla because Ludmilla wants books to remain like dematerial like or immaterial, excuse me, that like they will always be something that they, you know, you can you can uh you can read or not read or, or like, uh, understand or not understand, but they do not exist within the space of, like, commerce or, or like, um, messy human affairs or anything like that. It's all, they're all these sort of, like, ideal tomes of knowledge or feeling.
1: Do you think that that's true? Do you think, I mean, not that that's true. Like, not that there's, like, any... Do you
0: think that, I don't think that that's True. true.
1: <laughs> Capital T True Reader. But do you think that there's people who who idealize video games in that same way that like want to play um, that if they only play like the big video games that are marketed to them and they don't involve themselves in like any kind of video game production knowledge, but just like reading what comes or playing whatever comes to them? Um, that it's then more of like a relaxing and less critical experience that you're not thinking about the development. Because um, there's there's definitely like plenty of people who do just play video games and never worry about it during the development process that don't ever follow uh, development cycles that mm-hmm. just like suddenly there's a new game and wow, isn't that great? And like I can consume this and then I'm done with it. And- I'm sure,
0: I mean, I'm sure they're out there Like, and I'm sure that like part of that is... Uh, what like drives people to get so mad when anything changes in a game, like in pressure to the market or anything like that. Right. Like Nintendo censors some like immaterial thing in a video game. And you wonder like, well, why would people care about this? I I suppose like, if you think like, Oh, they responded to something that's not purely a video game. They've like, they've completely sold out and and ruined my experience could be a reaction to that. Um, yeah, on the other hand, maybe just like casual players, like uh like the various dads I know who like say like, "Oh, I got to got a PS4 and play the I play Red Dead when the kids go to sleep." That kind of thing, right? Like
1: it sounds so like ideal, yeah. doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like some like I sounds like i like never be able to to play that play a game like that and just there's so many so many people who just like casually play video games and don't really ever worry about um yeah. Anything besides like, OK, well, it's here now and it's it, it's enjoyable to to experience as as a story. I like
0: I had a moment where I was not able to log into a raid that I was really trying to get to in Final Fantasy the other day and it ruined my night for a while. And I would love to have a time where I would love to go back to a world where that was a totally illegible statement to me. In some ways, so I get where Ludmilla comes from on this, right? Like it, it is. It's 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 something that is outside the game in such a way that you're just like, well, this isn't even like, this is so immaterial to the game. Like, why should I care? But once you start noticing it, it would be very hard to stop.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yep. I know that for sure. That um... I
0: knew you. I knew you'd sympathize with that feeling.
1: Yeah, like once you start thinking, like playing WoW for the first time, is So different to playing Wow as like a seasoned player like the first time you don't know anything about what the numbers mean Whereas the second time you're playing through it's like you only know what the numbers mean mm. and There's no like mystique to to armor just looking cool or whatever
0: Right and like uh, the... and
1: you would have to actively be making the choice. You would have to know Okay, I know that this piece would be better Statistically, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna exert my agency here to just wear the thing that looks cool instead
0: Yeah, no that that's right and like I think Maybe you know. Ultimately, that might be what we can take away from, if I'm understand a, a traveler, that that last sort of uh, observation there, which is like, there is a value in, like, simply like expressing uh, enjoyment or aesthetic or like meaning based entirely on like a completely subjective position where you're just like, well, I like this because I like this. Um, and that's, like, that's outside of anyone in the text except maybe the You narrator at the very end where the, the You narrator's just like, listen, I I would love to get these books and finish them. I just want to read them. <laughs> like, I have no other motive. I would just love to read them. Um, but even Lidmila has, like, these far-flung ideas about why they're good. Like, the idea of, like, I'm just doing this because I like it more feels maybe like the most unadorned thing you can do and also kind of, like... The thing that If on a winter's night a traveler would love you to do the most.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I um. I have something to to read to you from If on a winter's night a traveler. I would love to a, hear it. And a question to ask, and then yeah, let's see. Okay. So, um, uh, the the you i think suggests that there's a privileged relationship with books which is peculiar to the reader the ability to consider what is written as something finished and definitive to which there's nothing to be added from which there is nothing to be removed Hmm. so like the sense of like perfectness to to a book if if you're the reader do you think that there is any any challenge to or like any of the backlash against uh DLC or expansions the beyond the the economic backlash to it um, that there's a resistance to having a game be mutable at all
0: yeah you know that's actually really interesting I didn't I never really thought about it that way although that might actually be something speaking to like my early my own early concerns with DLC where I just was like, well, I only want to experience the game that I experienced. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want any of these extras. Um, but the idea that it can be mutable, the idea that it can be changed—I mean, there's like, I think you'd have to, I think you'd have to put the question to people who are invested in a particular series or who are like invested in a particular game that could be changed. Like, if Nintendo re-released Super Mario World or something. And then said, "Like, hey, keep your eye out for some extra levels," um, and thinking about how people would respond to that, right? Like,
1: well, isn't that what happened with your Final Fantasy game? That the one you're playing is the the re the new world. Yeah,
0: right. Because the the, the earlier one uh, flopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, and I I think like if if any game actually deals with this question like textually, it would be Final Fantasy 14 since, like, it does the sort of Calvino-y thing of saying, like, oh, you know, in the past, these Warriors of Light uh, saved us uh, from uh, the... Or, I won't go into it, but saved us from the struggle. Um, and uh, and unfortunately, we all forget who they are now. Like, that was part of the, it was part of the <laughs> big... Uh, part of the thing they, they, they did. And, uh, you know, they, they gave up their whole history for it. and Now we don't know who they are, and so we can never talk about them again. So we're going to have to have another Hero <laughs> of Light. Um, and like so, like taking the the old game that didn't work and saying like, uh, sorry, everyone in the world remembers you, but uh, as like a hero, but can't actually remember your face, is like a pretty interesting textual move in my mind. Where it's you're kind of saying like, yeah, this uh, this is a revision, and now your your deeds don't mean anything um, openly. And like that feels like a Calvino move to me, where it would be like, yeah, of course, like signification changes and you stop mattering. Like, yeah, absolutely. Mm. But I would think that in a lot of games, this would be a real problem. And like the idea of uh, you know achievements moving between accounts, or like uh, the idea of like oh well, I'm not going to buy this remaster after I put you know 180 hours into the first one, as if like it's replaced it somehow. Yeah, I think Mm. people are like worried about about like um, people are worried about the um, the way that games can become as you say, immutable, like changeable objects that are no longer, you know, just purely your thing to appreciate and enjoy and, like, keep on your shelf as, like, a material thing.
1: I guess, I don't know why I haven't thought about MMOs with this because it really is the same thing in WoW, too, that, like, the first time you play through, like, the first time I played through, the uh, the ending boss for that expansion was the Lich King, and so, like, you're the hero that, that kills the Lich King the first time you're there, but then, like... Maybe you make a new character, uh two expansions in the future, and it like they reference you as being one of the heroes that killed the Lich King. And you're like, I wasn't there. Like I'm, you know, I'm 12 days old. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and so that rewriting of the story, and it's like it feels so icky whenever like a like a NPC refers to you as like one of the heroes that kills the Lich King. Whenever you're on a character that wasn't part of that like time period, because you're like that wasn't me. And why are you? Like that—that's not the truth. Why would you um, say this
0: to me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that totally so, makes sense. Like it—it it is like it is like the the kind of like um, whiplash when people are like, "Oh yeah, I played 1.0 in Final Fantasy 14," and it's like must be really weird to have your character referred to that way, like just like as something mm-hmm. in the distant past that no one remembers. Like even you, <laughs> it's like yeah, that's. That's strange. That must be a really weird depersonalizing feeling in in a in a way that is like truly you know on its face should not be depersonalizing.
1: Yeah, I I think that now that I'm thinking about it, that MMOs probably are the the games that are most confusing, the the hardest to to write down exactly what they are because that they, they are always changing. Um, yeah, and like any of these or like Zelda that tried to like release like a you know like a definitive timeline and you're like that truly like that doesn't make sense like that's not adding up and I love this Zelda timeline it's so weird.
0: <laughs> I've had people defend it like a lot to me. Um but on the other hand, I I and as much as I respect those people including uh host of the show and former After Dark guest Mark normandin um, Marcus is the <laughs> sweetheart and I like I, I truly do not mean to malign him but that just makes no sense to me. It's so weird.
1: Well I, I think that for me it's like I don't need it to to make sense. Mm. Like I think some people um, really prefer things to to all fit together and make sense and I just uh, like, I'm trying to think, like, have you ever seen the movie Primer?
0: No, but I do know the movie Primer. And, like, I know one of the the discussions around it is that it is very difficult to make add up.
1: Yeah, it's, like, one of the, I don't want to spoil anything, but, like, it is very complex. And it's, like, something that you only really could understand everything after, after having seen it and, like, so many people were are so intent on how does this make sense or it's bad because it doesn't make sense the first time. And it's like, yeah, but I think that there's probably a way in which it could make sense. And so I'm okay with just that feeling that, you know, it probably does make sense if you spent the time on it, but I don't need to spend the time (laughs) on it. Um, so I don't, I don't really feel that urge for things to, to fit together. I don't know. Do you think,
0: do you think, and I I think this will be, this will be my final question because I don't, I don't know how much more, I, I actually have a lot more to say, but also we are we're are we over an hour? We're over an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Well, it took a second to up up uh, to. I like clicked on TriCast, and it it took me a second to actually like get it to say the right thing. So it went from forty five minutes to an hour and fourteen. So I was like, oh, we're doing fine. <laughs> it's like, oh <"Whoa>, boy, <laughs> we have gone long, um, but that's always good. I think it's nice when we go long. But the question I'll ask you is this: What do you think, um, or not what do you think, do you think that um, <laughs> Italo Calvino's If on a Winter's Night a Traveler is the uh, quintessential or let's say canonical, um, which is a funny thing when you're gonna hear what I ask, um, canonical uh, critique of uh, nerds and like completionist canon theory. <laughs>
1: Oh, gosh. Like, I think about um, Lothario. Not Lothario. That's what she L- said. Lotharia. 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 Um <laughs> It's a lot
0: like Lothario, and she is a gentle and giving lover until she gets photographed by the police as blackmail.
1: Lataria, <laughs> um, that she has, like, the way that she reads books, she also is a reader, but she only reads books. Um, she has a computer program book so that uh, each word is typed in order of frequency for her so she can get and she only needs to read like 40 the 40 most frequent words in order to get the essence of a book and thinks that she can come away with it With that. i love
0: that so much it's such a it's um, such a
1: funny way
0: of, like, it's <laughs> such a funny like critique of uh of like big data literary analysis but also of just like anyone who <laughs> reads books that way
1: yeah, and I, but I think that that honestly, like, I don't know that that's dissimilar to the the completionist theory that the um, the idea that if you just interact with all of the things that you've gotten the essence of the game rather than um, then like, like I guess it depends on what kind of game you're considering completionist, but like. Is that more of a way to play a game than not being a completionist? like have you really gotten the essence of a game just because you've um, you've identified all the the items that have <laughs> that have come up and and you could tell me like what are the most uh, frequently recurring like objects in Skyrim like if you've been in every uh, if you've read every book in Skyrim and if you've <laughs> done every dungeon I Think about reading every like,
0: book in Skyrim a lot. Which I have never done. <laughs> let me be clear. <laughs> but.
1: Um, but have you have you really played the game more than someone who's just like done the main storyline once? Right. Like Have you have you really played the game more? I don't know.
0: You may have put more hours into it, but have you? Exp- yeah. yeah. I, I, that's I, that's a really good question, and I think like ultimately, this book's point, ultimately, the point of uh, like I think one of the one of the temptations I have as a reader of Ivana Winters and a Traveler is. Um, over historicizing it and saying like oh yeah it's just 1970s postmodernism. like it's all like hey man the text is like nothing dude like you know that kind of thing <laughs> and i think that's unfair because like i think one of the really smart things about it on a winter's dead traveler is is that it like a lot of postmodern novels it does the thing where it says like hey actually the reader is like way more important than you think they are uh like they are they are actually like the most important element to you know, like a lot of, uh, a lot of reading practice. Like you need to have a reader and like, if you discount their, uh, um, if you completely discount their experience, then you're not uh, really doing service to the text. And that's like 100% a common critique and, and not an unfair one. But like, I also think that Calvino does this really interesting thing that is less uh, acknowledged, but like, I think you're hitting at there where he says like, yeah, look, like also, um, it doesn't really matter how you read, you didn't get the definitive thing. Like every reader has like these ridiculous blind spots that, you know, are going to look absurd if you kind of look at them the right way. Um, you know, so if you think you like understood everything in the book or got a better version of the book by reading it, you know, via a computer or just via your bedside stand, um, then you're missing the point entirely. Like, I think that's like, that's actually something that's still an extremely relevant
1: take. I think that uh, he would like that we are we are talking about the the text in this way. Mm, I agree. I think that he would he would like the the combination with video games and that um, and just talking about the. I mean, obviously, we have been talking like a little bit academically, but um, that you can talk about. You can you can even be like me. You can even not know that many things and, and talk about text and, and still get something useful from it. Um, I will demur
0: on you not knowing things, but other <laughs> this than is that, again, yes. My call I to,
1: um I assume if you're listening to these, that you probably read some amount, but um, that that uh, you are not the. Him, I don't though. know. Yeah. Well, I I think that the idea of being a reader, um, referring to yourself as a reader or a not reader, has been. Um, I don't know, like that. There's some sort of. That people identify as reader or not reader in a way that um, it's not true. Yeah. There's no one who is a reader. There's no one who is a not reader. It's um, yeah. Unless unless you're like um, your Nario who <laughs> who actively chooses to not read. He's actively not reading the unless text. That he's the text himbo. We it we it's 2020. <laughs> Himbos are valid
0: now. It's okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I yeah, and then the narrator of course is um jealous of him. Yes,
0: which I like a lot.
1: <laughs> He's been reed pilled.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't even have anything really to add to that. Like I think you're 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 one hundred percent correct and that like the valuation of like well, who's done more? Who's a better reader? Who's a more complete reader? How are you reading this? In, I mean, in books, certainly, but also in video games, like especially with like talking about main quests and like side quests and like, are you playing it in hard mode or this mode or that mode?
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: is like such a waste of time. and and like to know that someone actually like laid it out and said, like, yeah, all of this is a huge waste of time in like mm-hmm. 1979, this well is is very cool. Like, it's great to be like, yeah, Tala Calvino figured this out. Like, can't you?
1: <laughs> yeah. I um, I think that we will be talking about this text some in the future. Or at least I'll be thinking about it um, yeah. um, for a while. And truly, it does go, like, what you would think it, the text would do. Like, whenever you go into reading this book, you would think it would be going into it like, oh, the text isn't real. And, like, that would be the point of it. But it, it's so it, – if you – I would say I don't think that everyone would enjoy reading this. No, I think I that can't. you have, yeah. <laughs> you have to enjoy thinking about the the idea of reading, writing, consuming. I think that you I don't know. I don't think that this is a book that I would even enjoy all the time. Um, it's not There's you definitely could do an easy read of it. Like you could just let your eyes glide over it and you would come up with a different um, meaning from it than I did so maybe maybe I'm wrong here yeah but um, it is it is complicated
0: like it's a tough book for sure I don't yeah. think you're wrong with that like I had I had some trouble with that at times like it it, it totally is a, a tricky book Um, but I mean on the other hand but, you're, you know it it's fun and a lot of times it's funny like mm-hmm. it's it's very enjoyable Um, but yeah I'll be thinking about it a lot too I think like it's a book that I expected at one point or another would like, irritate me almost like, you know, I don't, I don't care about this book. Like, it's just like, it's a, it's another kind of like, you know, iteration on an idea I already learned in grad school, but it's a much more nuanced thing than that. And I think like to Liv's point, like if you had an easy read of it and got a different perspective, you could more fully say like, okay, yeah, that's legitimate than say like oh you know like many papers are written like oh i read i don't know like i read middle march in the middle of the pandemic and here's what it means to me now like <laughs> i think that's less valid than saying like oh i read if on a Winter's is a traveler in this perspective and here's what it's here's what it says to me now like that that actually makes some some sense as an idea and i think that's kind of a As someone who has often been skeptical of that idea of like, oh, you know, different conditions of reading produce different meanings, um, I'm very impressed uh, with the text
1: yeah so we are blanket recommending this for everyone to take for their beach read as soon as the, the restrictions are listed yeah and you know
0: what do it before the restrictions go go to you know people are going to the Jersey Shore and stuff just like cuddle up with someone on the beach a little, little too close and say like hey have you read this book? and
1: once they see you reading Calvina they will move six feet away or more
0: <laughs> it's like when I read um, I took Camus the Stranger uh, on, a, on a beach trip and um, and everyone thought it was weird, except wow. except my mom, who then also <laughs> read it on that beach trip. <laughs> Mama struck. That's
1: a then that is the, the like if I was to think of a book that had a beach in it, that would probably be the one. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: <laughs> it, Which I think is what a beach read is I can't supposed to be. Believe, whenever like, you it read took a me, book it took that like sets place on a beach. Twenty
0: full seconds to get that joke. <laughs> That's a very good joke. I <laughs> like
1: that a lot. I think you're just easily tickled. Tonight. I might be just easily
0: tickled today. You <laughs> might be right. All right. Well, this has been fun. This is our longest GG no reread yet. I'm I'm pleased. Is if, it? I believe so. I think we're usually at about an hour, and this is an hour and a half.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this. Hopefully,
0: you're still listening. I think you are. Yeah. I'm I'm confident. Um but uh live what have you anything anything you want to plug anything you've been doing recently that's fun um anything you are hoping uh people do to keep themselves happy during the pandemic
1: oh um, that's a big
0: last one you don't have to feel like you need to
1: yeah to i i hope that um i know that people people are doing the best that they can and i hope that um everyone is doing well and that they continue to be kind to others mm. and uh, hope you enjoy reading a text, whether it's a, a book or a video game or um, I don't
0: know. Some sort of book game.
1: Yeah, or or nothing at all. Reading the text of your existence. I don't know. Um, I hope that you listen to more Gigi No rereads. reads I, I love doing these. I love reading and talking about books. Oh, um,
0: I love them too. I hope
1: that you... You talk about books with your, your friends and family. Um, yeah, you can follow me on on Twitter at AV Club. You can follow me on Instagram at AV Book Club. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to plug, John? I
0: don't really. Uh, I have my normal stuff. I have Bon tw- on Twitter, and uh, I'm, I'm not on Instagram really yet. Um, I have a locked account that I never use, but I like get to see pictures of my kids on it. <laughs> Which that makes it <laughs> seem like I'm divorced um, <laughs> I get to see pictures that my wife Who I'm still married to Posts of our children uh,
1: She does take very good pictures they, they
0: are good Well she is very picky um, I took a picture of a, of a strawberry cake That uh, she and Tilly made To send to my sister um, And I showed it to her I was like hey check it out Like, uh, I took a picture I don't think it's that bad She goes yes it's not bad She goes it's not Instagram worthy though
1: oh it truly is like you're that um like you see those uh joke tweets about like how i take pictures of my boyfriend versus how my boyfriend takes pictures of me and it's like always like well lit well composed pictures versus just like flash on like (laughs) overexposed sneezing listen it's because we
0: think you're beautiful no matter what
1: wow that's that's a load of shit (laughs)
0: Well, when I do get on Instagram, expect me to uh, solely post pictures that are overexposed of my family uh, that I've taken big (laughs) flashes of.
1: Uh, I think that that could be the the new hit uh, gimmick account, overexposed pictures of my family.
0: (laughs) I can't wait for my book deal and sitcom. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: All right. Well, Liv, uh, I also enjoy doing these and I can't wait for our next one.
1: Absolutely.
0: We'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Night. Talk
0: to you later. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N.